When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's right, everybody. We're back, and this is episode 109, Sanity IO, Twitch, Imposter Syndrome, and Web Apps, otherwise known as What Is Going On. I'm Matt, that's Mike, and this week we'll be discussing, of course, all the stuff we just said, Sanity, Twitch, Imposter, all the rest of it, and there will be no web news this week, as this entire episode is conversational, so Mike and I have just kind of had a bunch of topics that kind of died at the fact where they weren't big enough to be a full episode topic, and so we kind of left it in the, in the notes on Trello or in our minds, wherever, and it's like, oh, we want to talk about Twitch, not big enough for an episode, Imposter Syndrome, we've already done an episode type of thing, so... This is sort of just a smorgasbord of the little topics that we want to discuss but weren't big enough to be in a full episode or maybe be web news worthy. Whatever. This is how we're doing it. So, weekly pain points. Mike, please take it away. Okay. Uh, weekly pain point this week is my computer crashing. So, last this weekend I was playing a game, Overcooked. I don't know if you ever played Overcooked. I played Overcooked, yeah. Uh, and... It just started crashing on the same level at essentially the same time. And it crashed like three times in a row to the point where I just have to use my laptop. But so I was assuming like maybe there's like a overheating issue or something. I don't know. Some sort of weird issue because I was the only one crashing. I was with four, four other people. But then I ran like all the diagnostic stuff. Like I literally stressed my CPU and GPU to 100% together for like 10, 15 minutes and got them up to their max temperatures. Nothing. So I hate. I really, really hate, and this, this this kind of goes well into like web development and coding. I hate intermittent issues. Like I hate it when I can't reproduce something. Like if someone, when I'm uh, getting a bug report for one of the apps that I'm working on and someone's like, you know, once every like week or two, I'll have this little pix- like this little thing active when it shouldn't be active. And I'm like, can you reproduce it? No. Hate it. Hate that. <laughs> it's like, I, what am I supposed to do with that? I don't know. I don't know how to like if you can't reproduce it and it happens once every two weeks, I literally can't fix it. Well, with with stuff like that, um, I do know that like the way I've been trained anyway is that you treat that as I forget the the name that you call it. But how I was trained was you if it can't be reproduced and it's really sporadic, you label that as like I think they call it a fluke or something. And then that's it. You just don't fix it. Because it's every two weeks, maybe you'll put like a monitor on it or you'll ask more specific questions like, is it every time the clock switches over, like when it goes from AM to PM or something every two weeks? And if that's not the case, then you just leave it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of how I treated it like that. Like if it's a fluke, it's a fluke. I mean, it happens. A bit can change, like, you know, uh, literally something can go into your processor. It could be a glitch in an engine, a browser. It could Whatever. be a million different things, and I I don't I, I don't treat them as serious bugs until they they are fully reproducible, unless the intermittence is so often that it's uh, a, a serious deterrent to actually completing the task, whatever the app is doing. So, and that's happened to me before, which sucked, and I had to go in. And that th- those are the bugs that take me like days to fix when it's intermittent and it's con- but but it's constant. So like 
instead of it being like, okay, every time you click this, this, and this, it happens. No, it's every time you either click this and this, or this, this, and that, and this, this, and that, and it can happen like when you load it or not load it, but it does happen. You know what I mean? Like it's a it's an issue that does happen, but there's no like actual accurate way of reproducing it other than just clicking through the app and hoping for the best and hoping to catch like a bug report. So those issues do happen and they suck. And that's kind of what I'm treating my computer issue with because I have had some hangup issues uh, randomly. Like even when we're recording this podcast a couple times over the last like few months, it just crashed and we had to kind of pick up the recording. And I don't know what that is and I can't reproduce it. So it might be be something as simple as like a USB device. Yeah, absolutely. It could be a million different things. Like you were having issues with your mouse and it was extremely intermittent as well until you figured out that you could reproduce it. Yeah, so it was really weird. Like my mouse was rebooting. Like the actual mouse has a little screen on it and the mouse was rebooting and that was causing my audacity to have problems. And then then it started like scrolling. It was started auto scrolling itself. I tried switching ports because my my motherboard has has like an area for mice and keyboard. So it has two USB 2s and then also a PS2. So that's kind of like where you put your mouse and keyboard. I've had it in there for years. Uh, this is a brand new mouse, too, by the way, uh, to replace the old one. Just kept rebooting, rebooting, rebooting. It wouldn't work. Plugged it into the front. It seemed to work. But then it kept scrolling, plugged it into a different port. It seemed to work. So, like, it stopped rebooting. But it's still, it was still broken. I don't know. I don't know what happened to it. Like, I unplugged that mouse, plugged a different mouse in. And it's a spare mouse. So, it has its own fair share of problems. But it's not broken like that. So, I don't know whether it's a driver problem and I thought maybe it's the USB port. I plugged the keyboard into that USB port, and it's been plugged into the USB port all along, and the keyboard's totally fine. So it's not the USB port. I don't know. And I plugged yeah. it into the front, which is a different USB controller, and I have tons of USB things plugged in, and they're all fine. So it's one of those. It's it's one yep. of those. And one the mouse those. works fine, seemingly, on my laptop with limited testing. So I don't know. Bought a new mouse. I'm going to have to install that later, but it's totally new, and that's it. Um, but to, uh, talk about my weekly pain point, it is my general status right now is what is going on. So we've said before that I'm trying to transition into doing more hat stuff every day and every single day, and this is not an exaggeration, every single day something happens. And today, for example, it was three, four random emails, even things that like haven't, I haven't been talked to about in months, just suddenly came in to my inbox and now it's we're all over the place there's projects firing up people are going crazy uh you know projects pro like client projects are like firing up again whatever like it, it, it's it's all over the damn place we got weird problems on our social media it there's problems all over the place so my status generally is just what the hell is going on <laughs> there's a lot going on i sent mike an audiogram last night at five in the morning if you can even call it last night because I just didn't have time otherwise to do it, so I just gave it to him at five in the morning. So I, I don't know what's going on. I, don't, I don't know, and I hope it slows down. But I'm gonna jump into the the segments here. So our first segment is gonna be a little out of order of the uh, title. So it's gonna be the first segment's gonna be web apps. Second gonna be Sandy IO. Three is gonna be busy imposter syndrome, uh, and then four is gonna be Twitch streaming. Now back to the web apps. So um, just. This is sort of a general statement or opinion or almost like a state of the industry or like a state of the of web apps. I don't know. So these days there seems to be online solutions for 
everything, okay, from editing podcasts, remote recording, editing video, documents, media, all the rest of it. You can all do it in your browser for the most part. There's all kinds of solutions out there, and it's all very good. Now, the problem is, is that all of these tools are separate. Yes, there's exceptions like, you know, Google present or Google Sheets or whatever is obviously in like sort of the software suite of Google Docs, but like whatever. So obviously there's some, there's some differences here, but in general, they're all, they, all these tools are indeed separate and there's always like a missing feature that you find. But when you go and find something that plugs that hole, everything's SAAS, software as a service. So then you're like, well, now you got to pay per month to plug a hole in a software that you already are paying per month. And you, that, that could be like a $20 a month charge easily. And we're talking, usually it's American. We're Canadian. So we pay more because our currency is worth less. So it's like a whole ordeal. Now, yes, it's only $20. You might be like, what the hell? But here's an example of something that we didn't want to pay for because it's, it's so ridiculous. So most recently, we wanted to put together some hat clips, so clips of this show, so that people who are you know busy or just aren't acquainted with the show can listen to smaller clips that are more efficient in terms of timing than an entire podcast. And then all the while, we're of course letting them know, hey, you know, full episodes are available, and if you if they like the clips enough, please come and watch the, please come to, please come, excuse me, and listen to the full episodes. So effectively, it's marketing and productivity. So that's really good. Now, to make these, I was thinking, okay, I want to have an audio wave animate just underneath, like in a frame, I don't know, maybe be a square video, and it would animate underneath a basic image, our logo, or maybe some text with our with our uh, episode name in there or something, and then I would post that to social media, and that's, there you go, there's your marketing, there's your efficiency, all the rest of it. Now, while I was doing this, there's tons of online services out there, and and, and a few of them, from what I, what I could tell on their sort of marketing sites... They're very easy to use, you know, no no big deal, it'd be upload the audio, upload the picture, and that's it. But they all come with these limitations, like, oh, you can only have three-minute audio, or like, the free tier only allows you to have this, or hey, we don't have a free tier, and you can only have ten minutes of audio, whatever, I'm just kind of like spitballing. But, this is such a small piece of our strategy, that it is, it just seems ridiculous to me, and I don't mean to just come out and complain. But just to make a clip, so you take an already existing episode of which we edit and put together in multiple pieces of software in some cases, and then we have to get another piece of software to take a clip of it and make it so that it's animated and goes online, just seems ridiculous to me. And this is where the software as a service model almost falls apart, because now we have a problem of, like, what are we, like, what are we doing? You know what I mean? Like, what it, you have to pay $20 a month just to have a little audio spectrum. Now, I'm not whining and that type of thing. I'm talking about this is a very small problem and we ended up getting around it. Okay. So I'm not whining in that regard. But think about this in terms of people who are doing media all the time or doing other things all the time. Every single time they have a hole in their, in their software. So let's say they're, they have the Creative Cloud and they have all the Adobe apps, whatever, the biggest package they can get. But let's say there's a hole in that package. There's some sort of feature they need. They're already paying a bunch of money per month. And now they got to pay per month again for this one little tiny hole. And that price for that one piece of software is going to be comparable to the Adobe stuff. Like it might be 20% of the cost or something. 
And so it's like, like, am I really going to pay that 20% just for this small little thing? And I guess my question kind of is, and this is what I mean by the state of the industry is, I would love to use some of these web apps. And I'm sure there's a free solution out there that you might be thinking, Matt, you missed a free solution. I didn't do extensive, extensive research. This is a very small piece of what I want to do. And so I just came up with a solution with Canva and I just moved on with my life. But for people that seriously need like a very specific solution, like imagine the the amount of monthly fees they're accruing. Like, could you imagine paying $20 a month just for audio spectrums when it's something that's an aside? It might be totally reasonable because maybe there's a lot of computing power involved. I don't know much about audio in that regard. And obviously I'm not, obviously the devs need to make their money and I'm not saying anything about that. And maybe we'll have something like that sometime, but like maybe we'll have something that's $20 a month for one feature. We, you know, who knows, right? But it just seems to me like you're missing out on my business because I'm not willing to pay per month because it's such a small piece of the pie. Whereas in the past, if it was like, this is a hundred bucks, I'd be like, eh, but if we do it every day, every day, every day, and you're like, this is going to save me some time, hundred bucks one time. Sure. Let's do it. So then you would eventually sort of get my business in most cases. So this is more of a, it's more of a comment on, this is almost, almost ecosystems, almost something along those lines. I think Where, SaaS subscriptions in general, like you, it seems to be a comment on SaaS as a business model. Sa- SaaS terms, is a big yeah. problem. It's a big, it's a big problem. It's a, cause you know, you, you have companies that are just purely document processors. They'll merge PDFs. They'll allow you to change PDFs online, whatever their software offering is. They'll do documents. Maybe they'll allow you to like change some pictures around really rudimentarily, rudimentarily hopefully that's a word to like put inside of pdfs and that but like for the most part they focus on pdfs and pdfs are complex in their own right and i'm not saying that that company needs to branch out and do audio editing and everything else but the fact that everything is like 5 10 20 a month and then for us it's like closer to 30 after paying exchange and all the rest of it it's really like are you you know people 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 put their nose up at disney plus or something and yet to make some audio spectrums, it's like 20 bucks a month, you know? And again, like that could be totally justified, but just in terms of the amount of stuff we already have, like I have, uh, magics, which is like the people that bought, uh, Vegas. So I used to, you have Sony Vegas and upgraded to magics movie studio or whatever they call it. I have that. We have audacity free. Uh, we have zoom, the pro one or whatever. One of the, one of the payment plans in zoom, we have, uh, office three, six, five, which we pay or which I, I have a personal account. So I have all my personal stuff on Microsoft, but then I also have, we also have office three, six, five business for each of our accounts. So we have teams and we have all that stuff. So like all that stuff's per month. Then you got to like, then you got to account into the fact that, uh, what else do we have? We have, um, uh, what, what's that software called? Uh, Photoshop, couldn't think of it. We have Photoshop. We also have uh, GIMP, GIMP, to be clear. Uh, we have that as well. We have, uh, you know, and a lot of the stuff's open source. A lot of the stuff is great, but it's just a matter of it being like, holy crap. Like, whenever I Google a solution, there's a solution almost always. And that's really great. It means the web is, is, is progressing. But the amount per month is really throwing me for a loop just because it's combined with a whole bunch of other stuff. 
if it wasn't and making auto inspections was 20 a month and everyone everything else was paid like like magics for example i paid once for that that's not a subscription so that that's fine that's a downloaded program that's not a web app right gimp not a web app it's also free doesn't matter stuff like that but like if we if we had photoshop if we needed lightroom for a project if we had if we had to use i don't know some sort of discord thing or whatever it doesn't matter like if we had to pay for some sort of discord bot or something along those lines it's just getting to the point where it's like a slippery slope of subscriptions. And people say that on personal use. They're like, man, all these subscriptions uh, in terms of streaming services like Netflix, Prime Video, all blah, 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 goes on and on and on and on and on and on. They're getting to be the point where they're getting close to, if not sometimes surpassing the price of cable of which they were supposed to replace, like cable television. But now look at what look at what's happening here. I, I don't know. I... I feel like this is one of those topics where I feel like I'm whining, but it's something I wanted to like bring it, bring into attention because open source software is great. And like, oftentimes that's the solution, but there's so many, there's so many of these random edge cases I find. And the, like I said, the most recent one is the auto spectrum one where like, is this the state of the web? Like, are we paying for, like we pay for balsamic, right? Which is totally fine. We do wireframes, but like, it's not, we didn't just pay for balsamic and download it. We're on balsamic cloud. That's per month. So it's like, we're paying for balsamic cloud. We're paying for zoom. We're paying for, we're, we're using Canva a whole bunch. The free version. We're probably going to end up paying for Canva. And we're talking about software that just a few years ago was you know, a couple hundred bucks or something here and there, depending on, you know, I just mentioned a whole bunch of types of software. So let's say it's a couple hundred bucks on average, and then you would just own it. And then you could either upgrade later or what have you. But those days are gone. And I get it. You can say there's server costs because they're constantly live and you're constantly getting the greatest updates and that's all well and good. And you're right. You are right in that regard. But there's too many holes in these expensive softwares. And then these holes are being plugged by too high of price softwares to justify it and now i just don't have an audio spectrum and that's fine but it's just there's a ux problem there yeah i think okay so to kind of break it down into two categories for me right now for web apps and in general SaaS model um one thing there's just too too many different technologies and different web apps that I have to use on a daily basis if I want to get a project from ground, like from zero to, you know, production. Like I have to, you know, there's a lot of steps right now. Like to to build something, I'm using Vue.js, right? Like that's a web technology. It's not a web app, but it's a, it is a technology. That's one thing that I have to kind of know and have to maintain and have to, you know, get the repo and updates and all that. Like that's a whole system of stuff and then on top of that, on top of Vue.js, there's a Vue CLI, which is separate, which helps me build the Vue.js project, right? That's just one thing. And then I have Tailwind inside of that. So that's another web technology. Again, I'm not talking about SaaS, but it's like this conglomeration of things uh, going on in there. And then there's the, all the plugins that I'm using, which again, in the last episode, if you haven't uh, listened to it, I have limited the amount of plugins I'm using to simplify the complexity of my projects because it was getting out of hand. So now I have like one or two extra plugins on top of what I have in Vue.js um, just to make sure that it's maintainable. Uh, but regardless, like I still have those plugins. And then to like actually code that, I have VS Code, which is technically a web app, 
right? Like it's built with web technologies. So I to to use and then what VS Code itself has like 15 million plugins that I have that's slowing it down and everything. It be, it's becoming kind of a mess, even though my computer is really good. VS Code is now becoming a little bit slower for me. And, and now I'm trying to think of like, do I need to get rid of extensions or plugins? So now I'm thinking about those plugins. And then I have services that I'm that I'm paying for, like hosting services like Netlify or DigitalOcean, like we're actually paying money for those for the most part uh, to, to manage content because they're how they how they operate. So Netlify, for instance, they had a very good free tier at some point uh, where you could build as much as you wanted. And as long as you had kind of like only one person working on a project or something like that, um, it gave you so many things like a notific- build notifications and stuff like that. They've slowly, and this is a this is a, a strategy that companies use. They've slowly started to take away stuff from the free tier. So now you can only build for like 200 minutes a month. So as soon as you start building multiple branches, which is on by default, I think uh, it it really adds up. So if you have a team working on a project and they start you know committing and pushing branches to branches, it builds for each branch. That 200 minutes gets eaten up. Like I've already gotten to a point where I couldn't use Netlify anymore, um, and I had to pay for it. So that's another thing. Like, so you have to manage your subscription model there. Then if you're talking about like a custom uh, headless CMS, like Sanity IO has a generous free tier. But again, you have to manage that subscription model because as soon as you break that free tier, you've got to start paying and you got to understand like, okay, do I need, should I be paying for this? Because am I making money on this? Am I not making money on this? So that's another thing that I have to manage. So it just becomes to the point where it's like, I'm managing, and I haven't even mentioned everything, but like I'm managing 200 different plugins, different web apps, different uh, technologies, all to get like, you know, maybe sometimes it's not a simple site, but to get like, you know, logic up on the web. And yes, a lot of these technologies are making my life easier in a lot of different ways, but they all, none of them can do everything well. I always have to reach for something else. Like I owe, it's always that and it's an endless reach for something else. Like it, it essentially never ends unless I guess you're finished and and like uh, sunset the project. Because even like a year down the line, you've you've produced the project. All of a sudden, you're like, wait, I need analytics. And then you're like, oh, Google Analytics isn't doing it enough for me. So now I have to subscribe to an analytics platform that's better than Google Analytics. And now I have to implement that platform, update everything to make sure it supports it. Then I have compatibility errors because I have 50 million plugins in there and the analytics plugin is now not working. And then all of a sudden my deploy, my, my like Netlify stops working or something like that. So now I have to go to a different, like it's just, it's a nonstop uh, battle really with all these different technologies that are trying to help you and for the most part doing a really good job at helping you and i don't it, I, I think it's kind of like the the idea of like it's still kind of the wild west in the web industry it, nothing's been really solidified yet so it has a lot of positives and negatives like yes there's tons of new technologies there's tons of uh, opportunities like if we wanted to make something for the web it's still possible for us to get in there and get people to use it. Whereas if it was more of a solidified, you know, tech stack that worked 100% of the time, like if everyone was using React.js to do all of their work, including like maybe React builds their own IDE, right? Like maybe React builds their own, like they already have their own native, like being able to deploy to uh, phones and Android. Maybe they just put everything into React and all of a sudden React becomes the web. I'm just giving a hypothetical. Um, It would be really hard for us to go in and build something that 
complements or like that you know does something that that react already does and already has a million people using or 10 million people using whatever so in a one way it's great there's all these different technologies there's all this choice there's all this innovation in the other way like yeah you have to manage it you have to pay for some you have to make sure that your licensing is correct on others you have to manage the free tiers like managing free tiers is a whole like other topic that we can talk about, like how to manage free tiers to get the most out of your free uh, free trials. But again, you have to be careful because all these companies have the intention of getting as many users as possible on their free tier and then slowly phasing out free uh, free features. And to, to a limit, on... like some have done it to their limit now in which Absolutely. the free tier is, is solidified at least for the time being or at least indefinitely until the situation changes. But you are right if it if it looks too good to be true it's usually too good to be true exactly exactly like there's just you know like netlify couldn't keep up what they were doing like they were giving us too much for free and everyone knew it and everyone was taking advantage of it because they knew that it was going to end at some point and then it ended and it's still okay like it's still like for a personal project i don't think you're gonna have any problems still but as soon as you bring bring on a team, which is what they wanted, they want to be like, okay, if you have a team, that means you have a budget, means you can pay for for Netlify. And yes, it's true. Like it does solve a lot of problems for you. So it's worth that like $40 a month or whatever it is. Like it is pretty expensive, but it solves like continuous integration and hosting all at the same time for you. Um, so it's, and A-B testing, I think. Like it has a lot of little things that it can solve for you, which is why it has a bigger price tag, but. Which is, which is great for websites that are monetized where, they they have a subscription that's twenty dollars yes. a month. So two two <laughs> customers effectively, you know, two customers effectively have just paid for all that all those features. Yes, exactly. And like that that's the other thing is like because you're paying for so many subscriptions, if you're a company, it makes sense for you to also use a subscription model because you need to pay for your stuff monthly. So it's better to get money coming in every month because if you do the hundred dollars uh, for a lifetime license kind of thing, you can have a really good month. And then invest that money in back into your company and then have a terrible month three months later and not be able to pay for your monthly subscriptions. Like that's a realistic possibility. Yeah, but no, if everyone's right. paying you $20 a month, then you know how much you're going to get the next month. So you know how much, uh, like how many other stuff you can subscribe for to pay for it. Because a lot of the, like a lot of subscriptions, like we're, Matt and I are talking about small change stuff. But if we're talking like CRMs or massive marketing uh, platforms, stuff like that, you're talking like hundreds of dollars a month. You're talking thousands of dollars a month. So you need oh, to account yeah. for that. We, That's we, a subscription we found model. A, we found a CMS. We found a CMS where where $8,000 wouldn't cut it. Yeah. And I'm talking Canadian dollars. We found a CMS. I'm not going to call thing people out. I'm I'm 100 I'm 100% serious. $8,000 might not have cut it for the license we would have we would have needed. Like it, like it may, you know, could have went to 12, could have went to 20 pretty easy, and we'd be, like, cutting some stuff. I'm, I'm not joking. I'm actually 100% serious. Yeah, and that's and that's common. Like, there's multiple of those CMSs that, like, handle a lot of stuff for you. There's a reason why they cost so much, because they handle a lot of things for you uh, that a regular CMS wouldn't be able to, that you would probably have to hire, essentially, like, a team to manage. Or or buy a premium plugin if it was WordPress, and then you got to stuff like deal that. with all yeah, that like stuff. It, yeah, so it, it does come with a lot of benefits that eight thousand or ten thousand dollars a month, um, but it's legit. Like you're talking real money here. Like you got to be making a considerable amount more per month, not as a one-time payment per month. 
than 10,000 to be able to afford these kinds of things. And there's a lot more like as you grow, like Matt, like Matt's saying, the more you start using more and more of these services. Um, a lot of the times, like nowadays, $5 a month, no one cares about, but all of a sudden you're subscribed to 15, 20, 30 different applications at $5 a month and you're, you're going hundreds of dollars and you don't even use oh, yeah. half of them. Literally. Like most of these subscription models rely on people subscribing and not even using. My like credit card, like business credit card at the end of the month, like just to, just to jump in there real quick, my business credit card at the end of the month, my credit card uh, business one covers most of the subscription fees we do every month. It's like a whole bunch of money and I don't even know half the time what it was like half the time. I'm just like, where the hell, like where the hell did half of this, this like money go? Yeah. And it's because like some crazy, like some crazy like amount of subscriptions came in and it's like, holy crap, like a bunch of these things were quarterly or maybe I signed up per year and then it just so happened that two or three of them came in this month and it's three, four hundred dollars. And we got people that like we got people that there are some clients that scoff at 20 bucks. You know, we're talking we're paying expense wise a hundred more than a hundred a month, which doesn't sound like a lot. Clients don't realize that because they think you're a dear digital company. You're fine. You're on the computer. That ain't the case. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's just a lot of a lot of things like that. Um, but yeah, I think it was a good rant. I think it was a good it was a good topic to cover because I think everyone's experiencing it, and it's just a little bit overwhelming. We have to. I think we have to manage it a little bit better. But in the other sense, like how? I don't have a good answer for that. Like, how do you manage all of your web subscriptions web apps and stuff like that maybe there's a maybe there's a product there you know what i mean like a product that uh, just brainstorming that literally will maybe you can manually initially like mvp wise manually enter all, a subscription with uh when you when it renews and it can manage it for you and it will remind you that you have the subscription and uh do you still need it or not and then maybe you have at some point integrations to be able to unsubscribe from stuff right from that app or at least go to the page to unsubscribe or something like that. So like, because it is a, it's a, a legit problem. Managing it's a legit, subscriptions. It's a, legit problem. it's a legit problem because I don't know when my subscriptions are up. I don't, I don't even know what subscriptions I have. <laughs> like that, that's a true statement. Like, cause we, sometimes we go down a tangent and we're like, we really need this right now. And we use it for a few months and it was really helpful. But then all of a sudden we're on to three different projects and those projects take priority and we don't use that, whatever we were ever paying for. Yeah, it's a slippery slope, and and you can enter it. You can enter it professionally, and you can enter it per, per personally with things like Netflix and that, like I've said. And the UX of just paying is 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 often better. You know, the UX of of paying for stuff is just. It, like I have a I have a friend who refuses to play for pay for cloud storage. He manages things where he like pipes things through. Dropbox and then that goes into this server and then this thing goes over here and then that thing comes back and then this thing goes all the way over here and then it's like it's all over the place when while I just said one day I just said I've, I've had it with this I ain't doing this anymore and I just I just said that's it and I just bought a uh, just bought an Office 365 personal subscription you know effectively I caved and I really enjoy it and I use it all the time but it's the same it's the same type of thing like Xbox Game Pass is a prime example where Xbox Game Pass is all about said this, but it's a really good, really good price. Chances are it's gonna go up. Hundred percent. It's not. It's not. There's no chances. It's a hundred percent gonna go up because what a, what it gives you is way too much for 
the five dollars a month that we pay like you're you pay a little bit more but you have the goal but even like i pay five dollars for the xbox one not to go on a tangent and i get like significant amount of day one releases for free like crusader kings 3 just came out I uh, and I I know this is probably like a, a a mistake or something, but the only way to get it other than Game Pass is a twenty five hundred dollar purchase on Microsoft Store. Oh, you were you were sent you were sending me that earlier. Yeah, earlier. I sent, I, we were talking about that earlier today. It's just like, but the, the, regardless of that, the game is like eighty bucks. The game so it, and it's and it came out today, and I have it for like not for free, but in in my five five dollar subscription as well as another game that came out today, which is Wasteland Three. Like. That's happened multiple times now where the day one games have been included into that game pass. So it's it's 100% going to go up. And there's a lot of services like that uh, that you have to watch out for as well. Like it's great that it is that right now. And it'll be awesome if they like keep it at $5 for the people that are paying right now. But like I, I'm kind of skeptical on that. I think that at some point they're going to have to increase even our pricing. But. Yeah, because that's, that's a good question, because I'm just thinking through, like, they have a, ro- not, not to get into the weeds of Xbox Game Pass, but it's like they have a rotating library of sort of third-party games, but if it's, an, if it's a game Microsoft's been involved in, like an Xbox Game Studio game or whatever, they you get it day one, which is like a huge savings, effectively, because you if you if you if you're downloading it you're kind of like purchasing it so then therefore, like, if your Xbox Game Pass is $15 a month, let's just say, shooting out numbers at random, you know, you're saving a bunch, because in Canada, games are $79.99 before tax. So saving a lot of well, money. Well, because I was going to say, like, it. See, you have to like think about. Well, there's no free tier here, so there's that. But you have to think about: is the price going to go up by how much? Because technically, all those third-party games are rotating like Netflix. So they like some come, some go every month, or however the schedule works. Some come, some go, just like Netflix. Whereas like the Netflix originals stay. So these are like almost like quote unquote the Xbox originals. They stay. So at some point. Like, are we already paying enough? Are we not? That's a good question. Speaking of weird glitches, I just had a weird glitch. My recording dropped out, and I found out it was because some random service just took off with 90% of my CPU. So thank you to that random service that I just killed that literally did nothing to the computer. So thank you for that. Um, So I'll be using my backup audio, which is lesser quality, which is just great. So thanks a lot there, random service. I I know what service it was. I'm not going to call out the company. Thanks a lot, bud. But it's getting uninstalled now. It's done now. (laughs) It it sent me an ad this morning. I'm just going to say it. It sent me an ad this morning. It sent me an ad this afternoon. And it tried to do something to me once, and then it just I did something. I kind of want you to call them out. Can you call them out? Not going to call them out. Not going to call them out. Do it. No, because I am going to use them in the future. So... It was a type of antivirus. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So that's I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't have So it just it just so. went. It was like oh, like I guess it thought like oh, you're on Zoom. We better scan that data. Woo! And then like went nuts and started going crazy. And then it sent me an ad. God, because I just I just solved it. Like I'm looking at the stats. Like I've solved it statistically. So that 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 software now, that that's what you get. I know this is off topic. That's what you get. You get one chance. Your your app sends me a notification at the wrong time. I've uninstalled my SMS app. <laughs> I get an SMS at the wrong time. Oh no, pro- no no problem. It's no it's no no skin off my back. 
Log in, hold it down, uninstall, yes. Moving on <laughs> my life. You don't send me a notification at a wrong time, and I know that's impossible, but that's the way I treat apps. Yeah, exactly. Like it's <laughs> But this those poor app developers. This is this is legitimate. Yeah, like I I'm the one like dot off of their line of best fit. Yeah. Where they're like, why the hell did this guy use the app for forty hours and then uninstall it like with no incident? And it was because yeah. someone else sent me a text. But anyway, so I just fixed my computer in some regard anyway moving on with that um oh it's your segment yeah. mike I was yeah gonna say. i think i think yeah let's let's move on to my segment which is about another web technology slash web app i guess um sanity io so i didn't like we, we've done an episode i think i think yeah we've definitely done an episode on sanity we even had uh one of the community managers or the main community manager Knut, uh come on and uh, answer some of our questions and give us some good feedback and stuff like that. So that was great. You can check that episode out in our backlog. But I just want to, like, I, I've been uh, using Sanity a little bit more lately because I've been uh, actually Twitch streaming and creating a little blog site for myself uh, with Sanity as the headless CMS. And then some other technology called Gridsum, which is a Vue.js thing on the front end. I'm not going to talk about that yet. I have a little bit more stuff to be done. But Sanity has been really surprising to me. Like, it's been really easy to use. Um, their documentation, that's one of the big things that I that I look for in a technology that's not maybe as popular. Like, if I'm going to be using something that's not on the level of Vue.js or React, it better have really good documentation because that's what I'm going to be relying on. Um uh, because like Googling is just not going to work in, in a lot of these cases. So you're going to have to either rely on good technology and a really good dev team, which is another really big plus for Sanity. I've noticed that they're extremely responsive. Um, I've personally had conversations with a few of them. Uh, I know a few Twitch streams ago, I was streaming just randomly, uh, the, again, that uh, blog project. And one of the developers from Sanity jumped on, like one of the commun- like community developers. Um, and we had like a good back and forth session where he took me through on how to use one of their plugins with like the grid, the grid sum that I'm using, which is something that's never been done before. Um, and we did it all live on stream, which was an awesome experience. So again, we've had a lot of conversations with them. We're not sponsored by them in any way whatsoever. So I have no obligation He's to say it. He's lying to you. Like, no, yeah. no, we're not, we're not sponsored. <laughs> yeah, we're not sponsored, but like, it's been, it's been a good experience using it because it's just so easy to pick up. I, it's like a one click blog cre- like a template creator for the back end and then it just outputs a API that's really easily queryable they have their own query language and then they also support graphql um which is like a big query language that most people or a query it's not even a query language uh but it has like other stuff built back behind it but it it's it supports both those things and it's really easy to get the data that you need from the CMS that you have created with one click essentially. And then not only that, you can go in and using their JSON structure, you can change the schema to kind of help your UX. So I know Matt, you you really are like a proponent of like hand holding your yourself or even people that are gonna be, you know, guest posting on your CMS uh, to do stuff, right? So this like for for sanity, it's it becomes really easy like to add a Boolean to see if this is featured, for instance, uh, for featured content. You literally just like add a JavaScript object with the type of Boolean, give it a name, and it immediately appears on all your posts. And you can go back, like even the posts that you've already created, you can go back and set them to true or false. 
And in any new post, it'll prompt you to make sure that you set that uh, featured, whatever you name it, uh, to true or false. And when you query it on the front end, it'll be sent over with the payload of that post and you can do whatever the heck you want with it. Yeah, I'm, so I'm, I'm definitely of, a big sorry, not sorry to jump in, but like I'm definitely yeah. a big proponent of holding your holding your user's hand because we've seen several times where you give the user uh, a page builder capability in something like WordPress. So WordPress has, in my opinion, two problems, but I still like WordPress. It's fine. One problem is is that it's very generic in its in its default st- like stance. So you need a plugin to add things like toggle switches and that. And the toggle switches in that are what really allow you to handhold your user. If they want to have posts that sometimes have a thumbnail and some that don't, that toggle switch is critical. Or just an auto-detecting thing where they either upload an image or not. But they need to have some sort of logic in there. And if, and from what I've seen, which is which is not like a ridiculous amount, but what I've seen of Sanity, it, it helps with that. Webflow is the same type of thing. Webflow CMS, same type of thing. Toggle switches, levers, whatever. Not literally levers, that's a joke. But, you know, toggle switches, buttons, uh, drop downs, those type of things. Those are really handholdy. And so what, what I'm trying to do is make it so that the user can only mess up their content. They can upload the wrong image, the wrong, maybe the wrong resolution even. If I could if I could stop that, I would, I would. But the wrong resolution or something. They can only make those mistakes. And they're obviously their mistakes. And so then I can redirect them even if they call me and say, hey, you upload an image that's wrong. They're not going to accidentally break the whole page. When it comes to those page builders, as I mentioned before, we've seen users try to build out a new nav bar with, with, with a page builder. And there's crap everywhere. We recently fixed a website where there was there was there were three search bars all on the same page. I don't even know why they were there. There was one at the bottom, all the way at the bottom. I think that one was forgotten. There was one all the way at the top, and there was one somewhere else. Yeah. So I it's just, just weird. Just Snip, snip, snip. I think I have two now, one mobile, one desktop, whatever, due to styles, and that's it. And so, like, it's really nice and sometimes required for a user to have a page builder. Sometimes they, they their data, or their marketing or whatever changes so quickly that they need to have a page builder. So that's why those exist. But a page builder is, like, realistically, in my opinion, a better dev tool than a user tool. Because now I can rapidly spin them something up it saves me time effectively saving them money and saving me frustration as well so exactly yeah and sanity.io doesn't have a page builder as far as i understand it it's more just like literally a, a separated disconnected back-end service for your site but it has a lot of other stuff like again i think they just introduced um the ability to kind of work on content together at the same time so you can both be working on the same post and it'll kind of live update kind of like google docs uh so that's a cool little feature that they've they've just added and stuff like that like they're continually working on it they're a good company as far as i can see ethics wise so like it's just i don't know they were good so the other thing that i wanted to mention just quickly and i don't want to throw shade or anything but it was just a weird experience that i had was i was choosing between two headless cmss one was sanity io and then the other one was Tatamic. and like to install sanity there was a very clear uh, explanation on what to do um, to get it going. And it was really simple. Like you literally just install the, I think the NPM install for sanity. And then you uh, run like a develop command or like a start command or create a new project command. There's like a very simple command and it does all the stuff for you with Statamic. Um, and again, not trying to throw shade or anything, but it was just a weird experience where I went in there and I'm a windows user uh, and they're like, okay, you need to have Composer installed. And then I'm like, okay, I'm a Windows user. How do I do that? 
and they their instruction is like if you're a Windows user, you have to Google it. But here's the instructions for Mac OS and Linux. So that was like, I guess that's it. Like I can't like I don't want to go through another process. If I'm deciding between the two, like I'm sure Satamic is a great CMS and I have nothing against it because it looks really cool and it looks like a good service. And and to promote it a little bit, um, it has a one-time license, like one-time license fee. You don't have to pay for it per month. So I think it's like 150 bucks. And that's your, like, you can use that website however you want that, like the hosting and all, like, I don't think they, it's not the hosting, but their CMS and all that one time fee, which is cool. Well, the benefit, the benefit is of sanity as well, just to like bring this in too, mm-hmm. is the reason why they don't have a page builder is because they're separate. So when a yeah. user wants to change platform, if they're on WordPress or they're on Webflow or they're on any other service, all that stuff is all together, right? Like WordPress is as the back end and then. Yes, there's some like separation with like themes and such, but if the user really drastically wants to change the look of the site, it's difficult to do that when the system is all together, like Webflow is all together. So yes, you can salvage the data because the data is sort of generic-ish and then you can plug it in differently, but you're basically rebuilding it. But like Sanity, it's just sort of like, oh, you want a brand new, you want a brand new website? Okay. And you don't even touch the data. You don't even really need to worry about it. And then you just call it again. That's sort of why there's no page builder, which makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's like, like it's a great feature, and you can you can write stuff to Sanity as well. Like you, you, it's not only reading; you can you can write posts and stuff from your. So you can build your own interface uh, for Sanity. You can build your own little like platform to create comments. For instance, I think I saw this on their YouTube uh, channel recently, where they they went in and created comments so you, from your site. So you can actually like you know ping your see it like headless cms and create like a comment post from your site without having to go to sanity so it has those kind of flexibility options the only thing i couldn't figure out and if any sanity developer or like employees listening right now i would love to talk to you and reach out and maybe do a project together uh, is how to manage like a user database so let's say you have like a membership site or you have like a bunch of users that are going to be logging into your site how do you do that with sanity that's the only thing i couldn't figure out there might be a way to do it, or it might just be beyond the scope of the project, uh, which is totally fine. But uh, I'm just curious if that's if that's something that's been thought about or not. But other than that, like it's been it's been a cool experience working with it. So I just wanted to bring it up again. Um, again, like it, I'll talk a little bit later uh, in in the segments to follow about Twitch streaming. But uh, it's kind of that that's kind of what brought me back into it. Uh, and with that, then uh, I think I'll just jump right into the uh, other thing, other than the fact that. I don't appreciate, what was it, Statamic? I don't appreciate that Statamic didn't have those clear Windows instructions. And as a result, I can't use that. But anyway, (laughs) because I'm a Windows man through and through. I'm on Windows right now. It's just cursing a process. So come on, come on, Statamic. Write those those docs. And actually, Mike and I, on a completely unrelated software, just had a conversation about how like a forum expert or a staff member of some, and this is not Statamic. This is a completely different software I'm talking about right now. Just said like, oh, like I've, I've answered this question on the forum before. Please Google it. Why don't you just copy and paste your answer? Like these people are paying for your software anyway. Nope. Or I mean, it is, there is an open source option, so maybe they're not, but like you could have just copied and pasted it anyway, free or not. I don't know. Just saying, I hate the, I hate the solution of just Google. It's like, oh, thanks bud. Like, let me just downvote myself. Yeah. And even even worse is the, I know the answer, but you can just Google it. If you know the answer and you've went through the effort of writing the fact that you know the answer, you can easily just copy paste your answer from somewhere. There used to be that thing too, it. like, I don't know if it still exists, where 
it was called let me google that for you and you send yeah. the person a link and it would google it for them yeah yeah that still exists people are people are people are dicks like it's not good yeah. like just straight up um but I'm going to jump into the next segment before this gets too off the rails, and, and just in terms of timing. So, um, busy imposter syndrome. So, uh, this is a personal problem that I'm having currently, and I've had it for a little bit. Uh, everyone seems to be doing a bunch of different skills right beside me, literally like my same team, and I don't know this. I don't know what the skills are doing. They're doing advanced JS crap. There's PHP all over the place. There's Vue.js, Webpack, Gatsby JS, friggin' WordPress, like. I know a little bit of all these type of things, but I don't know a lot about all these type of things. I feel like I should know these things, but it's not like a guilt feeling because it's not like I'm being lazy because I'm really busy. So I feel like I'm an imposter, but like clearly I'm in demand because I'm busy. It's not like I have to pass something to Mike and then wait three weeks for him to get back to me. It's like I pass something to Mike if I don't understand it, but then I go and I still have a bunch of crap to do. So I'm in this weird... You know what it feels like too, actually, and here here's where it is: is if I look at like a if, if if everything goes goes horribly, and like all of a sudden like Mike and I have to get regular jobs, I don't think I'm at the level where I could be like a web dev in a, in an agency. I'm more of like a small a small business like jack of all trades at this point <laughs> where I'm like dealing with our taxes, dealing with accountants. And then I'm like running over and talking to, to clients. And then I'm running over and talking even to like government agencies in some cases, depending on project. And I'm running over and talking to a whole bunch of people. And then I'm like running back and then like jerry rigging solutions and then coordinating with the developer and then running over and talking to somebody else to the point where if someone was like, come in here and use like react to do this, I'd be like, eh, and that should be basic, but it's, but I'm not, it, it's strange because I'm not in that developer role, but I'm also not a marketing expert. And then I'm stuck in this world of like, I need to be marketing because of hat and I need to be marketing all this, but it's, it's the problem of many hats in a small business, but I haven't mastered any of the hats, if that makes sense. Like I was watching uh, web dev simplified shout out to that guy. And he did a, he did a video, uh, that I watched, I watched a few, but I, I, uh, Watched one video where he did sort of like, and I'm paraphrasing, it's sort of like the noob, the intermediate, and the pro in like three different situations. So he had like a few, or like the three different types in different situations. So he gave a few different programs and he's like, this is how a noob would program it. This is how an intermediary, like intermediate coder would program it. And this is how like a pro coder would, would do it. I don't know if I'm using the same language as hips, but you get the point. And like a lot of that crap, like I'm in the noob tier now he explained the other stuff and i understood it like that's what i mean by jack of all trades like he has, you know he he explained it and i understood it it's not like i don't know what i'm doing it's not like to that degree clearly i'm doing something <laughs> like mike just saw something i jerry rigged together today and boy is that thing a jerry rig but it worked and it would only have worked if i knew what i was doing but i don't, I don't know where i stand and again this is again this is probably why we didn't make some of these things full episodes, because I feel like I'm whining again, because we were like, just sit down and do React then, you idiot. I can't. I'm literally running around my head cut off, and I'm not going to be working all day and night. It ain't going to happen. Sorry, guys. Like, so I don't know. If, 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 if today was the day we had to go reapply, I'd probably go back to IT. And even then, yeah. I'm rusty. Even then, I'm like... Like, 
Okay? Like, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, it's, it's like, oh, we use Docker for this now. Hey, I never did that. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like... Don't get me started on the Docker conversation. That's a whole other web app technology that went right over my head. But okay, so j- just to tackle your stuff, um, the thing I think that is disconnected here is that you are doing a lot of different things at the same time. And it's probably like one of the reasons is it's probably too much. Like there's just too much on your plate from different avenues, right? Um, so that that is a problem that's not allowing you to learn and be in that environment of being able to you know pick up the technologies that you want to learn or that you need to learn uh and stuff like that but the other thing is is that like i feel like everyone has this feeling because no one can be a master at all these things like i'm not i've been working with vue.js for a while but there are certain things in vue.js that i don't know how to do or i just i i'm not a master at or i'm not good at at all even though I'm, it, I'm just talking Vue.js now. Like I've literally been Vue.js-ing for two years, I think now, which is pretty big because of how how old uh, Vue.js is. It's not that old, um, and I'm not like I know it enough, but I definitely wish I knew it better at all times. And then everything else, like Webpack, yes, Webpack, like Vue.js runs on web, like uses Webpack to run and stuff like that. But I don't know what to do with it. Oh, so, like so you don't, so you don't you don't know about Webpack because like Webpack no, is one of I those things that give me enough. anxiety. <laughs> yeah, Webpack gives me anxiety too. Like whenever if I have to go in there and change things, like you, I've had to do it. Like I've absolutely had to go in there, go into the Webpack config uh, and change things. And with Vue.js, there's like different ways that you can get into the Webpack config because there's a view config file and then there's like a a config file in general that you can manipulate. And the view fi- config file I think writes into the Webpack config, and it's like. Again, there's different syntax to like chain webpack commands. Like it's, it gets so intense that I would, if we had to do a lot of webpack stuff, I would just hire a webpack developer to do it because I, I don't think I could with everything else on my plate, just like you, there's no way I could go in and learn webpack to be able to create my own webpack script from scratch. Uh, And, and like, what actually brought this segment on was whoa man I'm bumping everything it was my lack of hand control <laughs> um but, <laughs> but uh what brought this on recently like it's been sort of something in the back of my mind this busy imposter syndrome but what's brought this recently is because on medium I think it was a recommended article or something where it said we're going to use webpack to do something I forget what it was and it was like it was like beginners like whatever to webpack and react and I thought, well, that's something that I would like to stream eventually, because I always hear about React.js, and I understand what React is, but I've never used it. And I thought, well, I want to learn, like, effectively on stream, I'll learn, like, a little more JS than I know, get a little better with that, and then I'll, you know, maybe I'll branch into React or something. Just sort of future planning, spitballing, I want to learn about this. So I, I said, I know nothing, like, I know enough JS to know what I'm talking about effectively, like, for the most part. I know enough react to know what it is and like what it's used for but i know nothing about webpack so i thought this is a perfect article i'm gonna read this that article like made me the made me like more anxious than ever it was like oh we need to pack this and this and this but since we're using react you need to pack this and then because we have this plugin we have to pack this thing in here and then we get this thing packing this and i was like wait a second to think if we think about this i don't even know react yet this is to get the project to go like so i can so i can begin and then i was thinking 
Because I forget, I think it was like an example project or something. And I was thinking to myself, well, if I was thinking of doing this this way, I would just be using all vanilla. And then I was thinking, am I an, am I an idiot? Like, should I not be using vanilla? And then that's what led me to that Web Dev Simplified video where I was like, maybe I am an idiot. Because all my code looks like crap, apparently. And then I started freaking out about that. And I was like, what am I doing? But then I was also thinking to myself, well, I literally have a bunch of tasks laid up tomorrow that I'm going to be able to do. So I must know what I'm doing. And then I watched another Web Dev Simplified video. I think I just watched a piecemeal where he was talking about CSS things. And I was like, oh, great. Here we go. I mean, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm an idiot in CSS now, too. And then I knew a bunch of the crap that he said was advanced CSS. And I was like, oh, so am I okay then? Like some of the stuff in CSS, I just don't use much. So I've forgotten it, but I can look it up. But like some of the stuff is more advanced. Like I think one of the things he said was just straight up Flexbox. And I was like, oh, well, that's like that's child's play for me now. So it's like, oh, so I guess I do know some advanced things. And then, like, Mike couldn't get Docker and stuff working, but because of my, like, sysadmin knowledge, I figured it out. But, I don't know, it it's so, like, it's such a weird feeling because one of my strengths is jumping around like this. I can jump around like this and actually not get stressed out, and I'm, I'm actually just generally an anxious person. I cannot get stressed out by jumping around like this. It doesn't, doesn't bother me. But now the, like, lack of being a master of something is bothering me. And to the, like, to the point where, realistically, if you really think about it, if, like, I'm sure Mike can even attest to this, or maybe you can comment on this, Mike, is, like, if, if, if we had to apply for jobs today, what jobs do I qualify for? Well, it ain't, it ain't developer. <laughs> I, or maybe it is. I call myself a developer. I don't know. So, it's that thing where, like, can you solve the problem? If someone were to give you a, a technical, technical, technological problem, can you solve it? Whether it be like having to learn a technology from scratch or having to use your already predefined skills to solve it. Like that's, that's where like the engineering side comes in. There's a lot of little things that you have to specialize in if you want to become like a, a senior developer in a very specific platform. So like if you want to become, you know, if you want to be really good in the, uh, image identification stream. So you want to be able to oh, like, you yeah. know, a AI and image mm -hmm. and you want to, that's your specialty. Then you have to be really good at a lot of different kind of math problems. And you have to be really good at understanding how algorithm, like algorithms work and understanding a lot of, a lot of very specific technologies, right. And becoming a master at them, essentially, if you want to be that senior engineer, at a, um, I'm just trying to think like a Google, like a Google engineer that is in charge of their Google lens feature would have to be fairly good at all those things, right? Like really good, way above my level, way above your level, most likely way above a lot of people's levels. But as a regular developer, like a developer that would just go in and work on like a, on like a project, it's not like, it's about how you pick up the skills, not so much what you know right now. Now, one thing I will mention is that we like if I were to go on the job hunt today as a hypothetical, I would have a very big issue because I don't have a lot of GitHub projects live mm. to be able to have a portfolio. So my first thing to do, like if I were to be laid off today, my first thing to do would be to create full stack GitHub projects uh, in the technologies that I want to work in. And that would be it. But I don't have that right now. So technically, I'm not, quote unquote, employable 
in that sense, in that sense, other than with like a reference or something like that. So I'm in the same boat as you, Matt. Like that, that's what I'm trying to say. But like, I think you would interview better in terms of like skills. Into, but it depends on what 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 the job would be. Like if it's a layout thing, if I'm if I'm going in for building layouts, front end development, layout development, I wouldn't. You would be the one that goes and does the the CSS and and HTML structure way better than me because I I'm not that good at it. Animation stuff I'm not that good at. Design stuff I'm not that good at. I wouldn't be able to interview design. I wouldn't be able to interview like I, I would do okay with UX, but only on a rudimentary scale. Like I wouldn't be able to create a whole UX platform for. A massive application. What I would interview decently with is like, yes, Vue.js. If it's a Vue.js project, I could probably, you know, do a decent interview. But again, that's one technology stack. What else would I be like regular JavaScript? Yeah, I, I probably would be okay, but I haven't done it in a, in, a, in a very long, like in a little while. So I would definitely have to read up on it. And regardless of the interview, I would still be reading up on the technology that they're using. And I would prep for the interview just like you would. Getting that those interviews would be a challenge because of the fact that I'm just not I don't have enough. Like just being honest, I don't have enough GitHub experience. I don't have enough uh, like of my own personal projects out there that I can show off. Like most of the projects that I work on are under NDAs, and I can't show them off. So I don't know. Like there's not much I can, like if I were again I mean, you, to be you laid can, off today. You can state that I suppose in a cover letter. I don't know. I'm not an employment expert, so I wouldn't be able to say whether that's but that's wise, but who but... are they going to take? Someone that can't show them any projects, or someone that can show them a bunch of projects that they that's fair. they have worked. Like you know what I mean? Like yes, I can state whatever the heck I want on the cover letter, and I would. But uh, it's still it's still one of those things that like it's still a hindrance to me for if if I were to looking for a job. So I don't know if I could get. Uh, and this is part of my own imposter syndrome. I don't know if I could get like a a developer job, uh, a regular developer job. I'm not even like maybe junior developer, yes, but not like a regular developer, which is probably where I am, or a senior developer, or like a te- a, te- a tech lead. Like right now, my current job is being the tech lead of uh, of Content Link, right? Like that's currently my title, I guess. So I'm I'm working as the person that you know approves all of the projects, approves all the technology that we use, and does the systems engineering for most of them. Right. But I don't know if I could get <laughs> that same job at a different company. That's my own imposter syndrome kicking in. Uh, but I just like you know putting it out there is just one of those like that's how I feel. But I think that a lot of people feel this way, regardless of their experience. There's some people that might have thousands of GitHub stars that feel this way because they don't have something else like that they need. I don't know. It's just they could, they could always, have like faked their UI with not faked yeah. it, but they could have used all the pre-built stuff in Bootstrap and not changed a yeah. single thing. So they could be so, the back end guy or like the just the logic guy, and then they could feel like as though they don't know how to do a UI. So therefore. All their UIs look the same or some, some, some like random anxiety inducing thing. Yeah. I think the trick is to not get locked down by it because it's really easy to like panic and start to stress about it and actually like have it affect your work. Whereas it's what it should do is maybe affect your work, but affect it in a positive way. Be like, okay, well, I know my, the fact that I, I don't have enough GitHub, like for me personally, I don't have enough GitHub projects. So that's why I'm doing the the sanity and grit some project because it's a good kind of full stack project that I can throw on like my GitHub and have something there. Like I do have a few things, but it's not enough. I, I don't um, have like, I have like one thing maybe. Yeah. It's like, that's it's what like I mean. Like I have like two down. or three things. It's not enough. Regardless, it's not enough. But if I needed to, I could probably sit down in a couple months and, you know, get some good projects on there 
if I if I really really needed to, which is something that I that I think that like that's the measure that I'm going my, for myself by, and for for you it should be the same way. Like, uh, your Webflow skills are good, and the Webflow skills directly gen like directly reflect to regular CSS and layout skills. Your JavaScript UI manipulation skills are good, so you can definitely throw together some good projects on your on your GitHub or your portfolio using Webflow or something like that. It's just it's all perspective. There's a million different technology stacks. You can't learn them all. Um, and you shouldn't stress about not knowing them enough to be able to like use them immediately. I think that's the key because as long as you know of them and you know, under, you understand how like just the basics of what they do, it's enough for you to talk about them, which is important and enough for you to then take that knowledge and expand on it if it's required. Because you can't learn everything. It's just it's just impossible. So you need to we need to get you in a state where you can learn the things that you want to learn because right now you're not in that state. I'm, ba- I'm bouncing around like, on, like it, it's yeah, not you're just bouncing around, around too much. It's not bouncing around projects, it's bouncing around stacks too. It's yeah. like bounce here, yeah. bounce there, bounce here, and then all of a sudden it's like now I'm doing sysadmin. Like I did a bunch of sysadmin today, you know? Yeah, I hate that stuff. Well well, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine with it, but it, it, it becomes a problem when it's sysadmin, WordPress. Tiny yep. bit of PHP, a little bit of JS, a little bit of typo. Back over to Couch CMS. Back over mm-hmm. to the, and it's a, and it's like I'm not, I'm not learning anything. Yep. Although, I guess it's like Webflow is generating us money. So there's that. I don't know. It's 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 a mess. Like it's it's a maybe I maybe you know what I'll upgrade myself. Maybe I maybe I'll apply to a manager position. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> Managing all this crap. <laughs> yeah. It's real world experience. I mean, yeah, no, you're, you're not wrong. But yeah, it, mm-hmm. I, I, think, I think you made really good points. Like, in, in all seriousness, I think you made really good points in that. In that, like, I, I actually feel a lot better that you don't know Webpack, if I'm being totally blunt. Webpack, yep. for whatever reason to me, and Gatsby, when people say, like, oh, I just did Gatsby, and they just toss it aside. When I read about Gatsby, like, I, I'm a kind of a person that likes to understand exactly what is happening and like i've tried to read that crap and i'm like holy crap this is a lot this is a lot it's i you know how like when you're in a computer like i have my task manager open now because i was dealing with that problem earlier and there's crap freaking flying in here we got skype desktop window manager we got system in here there was some system interrupt thing earlier we got some we got audacity obviously freaking recording we got zoom right now we got an anti-malware service executable we got discord open we got all this crap but there's all this stuff flying in you know how like we're developing for the browser and we don't really control or care about what the browser does for whatever reason i think of webpack not as something like that i always think of webpack and other technologies like gatsby and stuff like that just using webpack as an example where I want to understand everything, but in reality, I shouldn't do that because I don't understand. Even when I administer windows, I don't understand all the services and processes and windows going through. You'd never be able to keep up. And those developers that make those things, they don't understand all that crap either. There's a reason why there's massive bugs and knowledge based articles and issues and calling things and special support staff and all the rest of it, because we've now reached a point where it's critical mass. I'm not saying Webpack and those have reached that point, but you're right about the Wild West thing. The Wild West is like we're building upon the Wild West effectively. It's like everything's all over the damn place and certain things are maybe on the decline, maybe like jQuery is on the decline or whatever. I don't know all the stats, but we're like we're building all these pieces and then we just keep building on top of it and building on top of it and building on top of it. When I, when I guess I'm expecting perfection and then also perfection, 
perfect understanding when I really shouldn't be doing that. You know, like we configure something like a network interface card, but I don't understand exactly what the packets look like anymore. It's been years. Realistically, I'm interacting with them, but I don't need to look that up and I wouldn't look that up. And I need to treat web tech the same way. Like if I decide tomorrow to suddenly do a React project, which I don't have time for, (laughs) but like, let's just say I did. I would do what you're doing with Webpack is I would just use Webpack to its end, make sure it's running and whatever. And then that's it. Another thing I do need to get good with too is developer, uh, just terminology. I talk very much in English, if you will. And people say like, oh, this is this method. And like, I know what a method is, but every single time they say it, I got to stop and think like, it's not a muscle memory yet. And so I think to myself, oh my God, what is that? But I know what it is. And then when I see it, it's like, oh, yeah, okay. And then a couple months go by. I don't use JS for a while. And then it's like, well, this method did this. I'm like, what's that? Oh, here we go. You know? And I was like that in the very beginning with, like, object. And now I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? It's just like, I just don't use it a bunch because I'm running around doing a whole bunch of other stuff. So, but I'm glad you don't know exactly what you're doing at every step. Because I thought you were supposed to, to be totally blunt. And I was freaking out when I read that. When I read that beginner web pack, I was like, oh, good. So just, like... The thing that scared me the most was that they weren't memorizing it. They understood it. And then when I was thinking to myself, I was like, how the hell am I supposed to know what to call, what to build with, what things to pull in, on top of the fact that I don't even know JSX yet? Like, what the hell am I doing? No, you don't need to build. You don't need to build it from scratch. Like, that's, that is a ludicrous thing to look at. Your, your thought process, just to break it down for everyone else, was to learn React. You had to learn js which you know yep css html which you know Mm -hmm. and then on top of that start learning again the basics of how to build the react project which is webpack from the ground up (laughs) yeah right then learn how the jsx like templates work from the ground up put it all together and learn also the react logic the reactivity side of it and then all the other plugins and stuff like that from the ground up without any like like without any helpers to to get you along the way, like literally build it yourself, which is, I don't think, I don't know if anyone's ever done that. Maybe the first person to ever build React did it, but <laughs> I highly first. doubt that anyone, yeah, like Facebook did it, but I highly doubt anyone goes in right away, builds their own Webpack uh, config without the React CLI or the React, uh, create, create React app, my first React app uh, CLI tool. And builds their React application with Webpack because that's what like that CLI the create create apps uh, React CLI builds the entire Webpack config for you immediately without you having to do any sort of Webpack anything. You don't need to do you don't need to learn Webpack for so long like in in your React development like sorry what was like, that thing that does the Webpack for you again what did you say so create React app or something oh, like that oh, like I, that's that is what they kept talking about in that article. Yes. And I didn't get yes. the reference, so, okay, obviously, so, yet. Damn yeah. it. So then I want to go on to the next terminology thing, the statement that you made. For that, that does require work in terms of, like, again, listening to our podcast, listening to uh, Sanity, or not Sanity, uh, Syntax. So I listen to Syntax. I don't listen to it every week, but I do listen to it pretty often. And they do talk about this kind of stuff and explain it and stuff like that. So that's where I pick it up. And then also um, just watching tutorials really helps me too. 
So sometimes if I'm working on a technology, I'll watch a tutorial and they'll explain a lot of the stuff from the ground up. So if I were to start a React project, I would watch a tutorial from start to finish. Like if, if that was my intention, uh, maybe skipping through a couple things, but I'll watch it from start to finish with, before even touching code, if that makes sense. And then I'll go back to the start of the tutorial and then I'll kind of code along with it if I need it, right? But first I want to get the concepts, the terminology and stuff down so that I can actually ask the right questions so that I can do the right, like the right steps. Because you're right, like going into React, for instance, you don't know about the create React, the, the React app create. You don't know about Webpack. You don't know about how, how to use any of these things. So then it becomes overwhelming because there's a million different technologies building on top of each other. Not, not to mention you, you got to learn through, that new syntax like JSX. Yeah. Well, chances are exactly. you're going to use that unless you're going to use yeah. the regular code, which is even more confusing. But if you go and watch a 10, 30-minute tutorial and it breaks it down for you, like, to get started, it becomes really um, – it doesn't become – it stops being overwhelming and starts being very realistic. And using that, you can build on top of that because now you've got the basic terminology down. So if you're React, create React or whatever, my React, create – I don't remember what it's exactly called, React app, my first React app, breaks, uh, breaks at some point. You know what to Google. You'd be like, oh, React, the, my create React app broke uh, at this point. But if you didn't go through, like if you didn't look at a tutorial, if you just went blind into it, you're, you don't even know what to Google. Like you don't even know what to start <laughs> yeah. with. Yeah, to be like, is this my development environment? Is this my yeah. CMD? Like where do I? Yeah, exactly. Like you don't know what to do. So I think it's important to kind of go through the steps uh, learning every new technology. Uh, so that you don't get overwhelmed and just keep on top of it. Like, again, if you listen to syntax or if you like just pay attention to dev.2, dev.to or medium articles every once in a while, uh, it does help with the terminology side of things for sure. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of what I that's kind of how I handle that problem. All right. Well, that's good advice. Um, thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. I now feel a little better. And when things calm down. And there's a big asterisk. If things calm down, then uh, then I'm gonna then I'll give it a try. Maybe that'll be something I try on stream, where we can write out a big article thing about me diving into something that's completely unknown to the point to the like. Maybe I'll maybe I'll do it in steps, like do a do a vanilla project and then do a, I don't know a similar project or at least something that you know. Let's say they all pull from an API or something. So do an API driven project with vanilla, one on React one on WordPress or something, you know, whatever. And maybe yep. that can be like a bit exactly. of a journey. Cause like, I don't, I don't know. So it'd be interesting to see from even my own knowledge, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think even, even before you would do that live Twitch stream, um, just because jumping in without knowing the terminology is, is tough. I would, I would do it like at least an ish, initial get started. Tutorial, I'd probably do my, the, the, the hello world equivalent, something like know. that. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. At least to get some knowledge, because if you go on stream and then you start watching, like essentially you're watching a video on stream, which you can do, yeah. like that's not a big deal. I've seen people do it. Um, but it could be kind of like, you know, dead content for a little while. Yeah. 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 You're or right. Can, like maybe I would even yeah. try to make a brief UI or something. Who yeah. knows? Just really small and then kind of go in through and start uh, start building. And then once you get to a wall, then stop the stream, go on your own. Like, I think that's how I'm going to handle it. And I think that's exactly a perfect way to segue into the next and last topic here, which is Twitch streaming um, and trying to, uh, yeah, just exploring that new avenue for us. Um, so just going to get right into it. Like, 
for me, I was really hesitant on the Twitch streaming because I've never done it before. I've never done live streaming, even for gaming. Um, I know Matt, you've you've live streamed quite a bit uh, on the gaming side of things. Literally so you doing had a it tomorrow. Bit of comfort with it. <laughs> You'll be doing it tomorrow, exactly. So like you had some comfort with it, but I didn't. So jumping in, I didn't know what to do. Um, but you helped me set up and get get going and have like a decent, at least a decent chance at a first decent first stream, uh, which was really good. Like I like my first stream a lot. Uh, and I think I was we were, we were really lucky to have like the audience be extremely active in it. So that's one really big and awesome factor of I guess our community. Um, when we announce the Twitch stream, we have a few of the active members of our community jump on and just kind of keep everyone busy in the in the Twitch uh, in the live chat. Recently, we had one of our community members, uh, Keon. In the Discord, he just starts telling war stories in the chat. <laughs> yeah, which, which, which is, is awesome, honestly. Which is awesome, yeah, like crazy, crazy war stories because he was a uh, he was in the army for I think fourteen years, um, so he has plenty of stories to tell that are, aren't obviously the ones that aren't classified. Uh, so it's it's been it's been fun. Like and then and like random things happen. For instance, like the sanity developer that jumped in and we coded together for a little while. So like that's been a really positive experience for us. Um, we've got a lot of really good feedback from it. Uh, and stuff like that and it's just been another way of, of us to show our, like our process of coding and it, it's been like it's not a one-to-one process of how I would code normally because there's a few very different factors like for instance I have to monitor the chat um, I'm coding on one screen as opposed to three screens which is a, a little bit of a productivity issue for sure because I'm trying to make sure that everything on the screen is everyone's seeing everything that I'm seeing so I can't be coding across three screens. Otherwise, people are going to be only seeing one third of the content. Um, so that's been an adjustment for me, for sure. Um, and because of the, both those things, both managing the chat and the three screens, it's been I'm much slower on stream than I would be in real like in regular mode. So it's not something that I could like, you know, I couldn't I probably couldn't do a, a production project front to back on stream. I don't think that that's a possibility, but these small projects like the blog site or like that D&D monster app that I did are perfect for streaming because I learned something. Uh, I'm usually trying to kind of push myself to learn new things when I'm on, on the stream so that you guys can see my debugging process. Everyone can see how I how I go about learning a new technology, how I'm how frustrated I get. And so I think it makes for a more interesting stream in general if I'm kind of struggling a little bit. Otherwise, it just... It might be it might be educational if I'm not struggling, but it's not as entertaining. Well, I think it, that's it the idea. It humanizes the experience as well because there's yeah. something very ominous about sort of like the quote unquote God developer on like Stack Overflow that just writes his writes his answer and leaves, and people might be like, "Hey, that's not the most efficient" or something, and just no answer because he's going to do that that response to it. You know, we all know that type of developer exists out there, right? So, it's something more humanizing, at least in my opinion. When you see people, because when you see people struggle, because you're going to struggle, you know, the listener's going to struggle, I'm going to struggle. One of the biggest problems I've always had, Mike, is I can't find out where to put things. So I like have the script all done and I don't know where to friggin' put the file. And then I'm like, where the hell does this go when using a certain thing? And then it's like, oh, here we go. Like now I don't know where to put it. <laughs> so like, yep. and, but like, and that's the last step. And I just, that's something I just don't like, like where does this go now? I- I'm going to be honest, I got stuck on something like that recently, like even in Vue.js, just assets, asset handling and dynamic asset handling can be a little bit tricky because you don't like, sometimes you have to put the file in the public folder and sometimes you put it in the asset folder 
depending on what kind of plugin you're using, depending on what kind of JavaScript dynamic dynamic functionality you're using. Uh, and I got I get stuck on it all the time. Like it's just I hate that stuff too. And that's the stuff that I do get stuck on when I'm Twitch streaming. And it gets a little bit frustrating. I've got to get like one, something that I need to get better at is just using my debugging process that I usually use rather than like just getting flustered because I'm on like live and I, I need to get stuff done. Um, and I, I have gotten a little bit better at that, but it's still like, I still get a little bit flustered when I do reach like a very specific wall and I can't get past it because my, my usual uh, approach is if I reach a wall, I'll usually take a break and Twitch streaming like you can't really do that, but I guess what I could do is I could like context switch to a different side of the project and then come back or something like, you know, I have to adapt. I essentially have to adapt. And that's kind of, that's where I'm at right now. I'm adapting to Twitch streaming. I really like it. Um, it's been a lot of fun and hopefully, yeah, we see more of you, uh, see more of you on the stream because our chat is, <laughs> is 90% of the fun of the Twitch stream, I think for now. It's definitely like a community event, you know, Yeah, which is awesome. Because, you know, you and I can't always be super active in the Discord. Hence, is, I mean, the whole thing about me being busy and you being busy, the same thing is that's why we're sometimes not on the Discord for like a week or something. Because it's just, we have to go and solve a bunch of problems. Or we have to code up a bunch of stuff. We have to finish something. And it's just the way it is. Solving computer problems, whatever. And you're right. Like the Twitch the Twitch stream is, is as much of a community event as it is something to push us. And I think you're right in that where it's just a matter of adapting. Like... There's been a couple things in Webflow where it's like, damn, I got to buy this. So I got to upgrade my plan. Like, I got to go to do the, the be right back screen or whatever, because I'll, I got to go and like type in all my credit card details and stuff. And even though like in a regular setting where I'm not being recorded, that's totally normal. I just go type my credit card. It's like, I'm not going to type my credit card in front of everybody. That's a very small thing, but it's still like a, a hole in the workflow type of thing. And so it, there are little adaptations like that that you need to do and absolutely need to keep it up and that type of thing. So. But I think the Twitch stream is is we're we're an affiliate now, so things are going well. I keep planning Twitch streams and keep being pulled away. It's uh it's the it's the forever issue on on Hat. I feel like our listeners, especially longtime listeners, have heard this like fourteen hundred times, where we say, "Oh, we're gonna be really active this week," and then disappear into the abyss because like some random thing went down or something. And that, mm-hmm. but I guess that's just the life of a a tech person, I guess. <laughs> Whatever, right? But. But uh, I I think I mean we're at an hour twenty. I think I think that really that really concludes it, Mike. Unless you have anything else to add. Um, no, do it up. Roll up the roll out the outro. Yes. Yeah, so uh, I mean, hopefully you like this episode. A little bit of a different one this week, but this kind of wraps up some of the stuff that Mike and I had been talking about, but just wasn't quite enough information for full episodes. So hopefully you enjoyed that. Uh, if you did, make sure you let us know. But uh, remember, on that Patreon, if you want to support the show, that's Patreon.com/slash/htmlthethings. Check out those tiers and give that a go. And many thanks to our $3 tier patrons. Sean from RabbitWorks JavaScript. Find him at youtube.com slash RabbitWorks JavaScript. Garrick from Local Path Computing and Web Design. Find him at localpathcomputing.com. Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital. Find him at blueblackdigital.com. Chris from Self-Made Web Designer. Find him at selfmadewebdesigner.com. Tim from The Web Hacker. Find him at thewebhacker.com. DL Ford from dlford.io. And... Bib Hashdash from Twitter via at Bib Hashdash. Feel free to leave a comment or review on this platform that you're listening to this on, and this outro will sign us off. You-
been listening to HTML All The Things Podcast. Web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things. Signing off.